0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi,
1: welcome to Breaking Bread. This is the show where we explore food through culture, conversations and a whole lot of curiosity. I'm your host, Lo Jun, a food writer and recipe developer from the Mm -hmm. Jun & Tonic blog. And if you've been tuning into to the show for the past few months, you'll realise that we've been cooking a lot more and sharing some recipes on this show. But from this episode onwards, we're returning to our roots and bringing the show back to its original format. One where we invite chefs, restaurateurs, farmers and food experts in general to talk about, well, food. So to mark the first episode back, I spoke to Li Zan a restaurateur who's opened two up-and-coming food spots in the Petaling Street or Chinatown area in KL. The first is a small shifting space. Some people call this place a wine bar, a cafe, an events space, and as its name suggests, those are all true because the space shifts and has been the home to several resident chefs who runs the space like an extended pop-up over the past few months. The second place, Fla, is a micro bakery in Rexcale that's been generating quite a bit of hype with their stellar croissants and pastries. So on today's episode, we'll be hearing about these two places from Lee, and he'll also share about his experience over the pandemic, and we'll touch on his future plans. One thing to note, we recorded this episode a few days before the announcement of the third MCO. So it's just something to keep in mind as we made a few references to a potential MCO towards the end of our conversation. But without further ado, let's jump straight into our conversation with Lee.
0: Welcome to the show, Lee. Hi, Jun. Thanks for having me.
1: Cool. So, yeah, tell us a bit about the restaurants that uh, you currently run. Tell us how, how
0: the whole restaurant journey began. Um, so just to share a little bit about myself, um, I actually uh, came from background of uh, Le Cordon Bleu. I went for culinary training before. And um, after I came out from Cordon Bleu, it wasn't uh, an actual intention to get into the industry of FMB. It was only right before the pandemic that we started venturing into uh, opening a few franchises because the initial idea was just to get some business that uh, automated itself up until the point of MCO. So how small shifting space began was because like during the beginning of MCO, we decided to shut a few of our franchise business, and that left us with a few locations where you know we had the venue and we had a tendency for quite a bit more. Uh, We're trying to figure out what to do with the space. That's how Small Shifting Space came about. And it actually started, um, the project started during about uh, April last year. So it was about like seven months before we could actually begin the business just because of the whole lockdown. Mm. We're just paying rent throughout the whole time.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. But but in the beginning, actually, you guys had the space and and you kind of built up this space and you were even serving food, right? Well, through like deliveries or you had those care packs.
0: Uh, Right. Okay, So I would say during March, we began the project. And then because we had to just pay rent and hold off the construction until about uh, August. So SSS opened, uh, I think in about October. And still during October, we couldn't do much of a dine-in and we decided, hey, we've really got the whole team together. Why not start something with delivery? And maybe with that, we could, create a bit of presence with the brand as well.
1: Yeah, and, and from what I've seen online, it seems like your your CapEx did did pretty well. But going back to the concept of small shifting space itself, I think the name is pretty revealing as to what the concept is about. But uh, yeah, because I've seen online people describe you as like a wine bar at night, but like a, a cafe in the morning. But <laughs> at the same time, there's also yeah. like the concept of... Uh, having different chefs come in and then kind of showcase their, their talents and what they can bring to the table, right? And yeah, tell me about how you planned up this residency program and what
0: inspired that. I think very much is also because of the time that we began the project. It was during this time where we, we couldn't really predict what was going to happen, you know, the next few months. And then we were like, hey, why not just do something that's a bit more adaptable, a bit more fluid? And with that, we can always sort of adapt to what is Currently happening from there we decided you know with such a small space why not offer ourselves as a platform for chefs that um, actually have the capabilities but don't actually have the venue for them to actually execute Mm. that's how the you know rotational chef thing came about in terms of the concept of small shifting space we actually took a while about two months or so to come up with the idea that with the current situation we shouldn't be fixated onto one certain idea and you know rather stay a bit more modular mm, yeah
1: right and how many resident chefs have have there been at the space
0: uh at the moment we've gone through about three uh resident chefs and um the previous one just ended last weekend that was pretty good as well we had a really young guy that used to work in singapore
1: ah uh, what was that chef Stephen was it uh brandon ah oh, brandon yeah. right right right
0: so, he was doing private dining before, and um, actually, some of my friends introduced uh, me to his profile just because he had been going around to other ple- uh, people's places, uh, residences especially. And I did ask him, um, you know, what was the sort of trouble that he encountered during such services. And we felt like SSS could actually bring in a bit of a value for him in that uh, aspect where we had everything ready, our service staff is there. Mm. Yeah. So you were the one who actually approached all these chefs, right? I would say initial stages, we have to just because we're trying to uh, assert our position in the market. Uh, we usually look for young talents that have exposure abroad, and they come back and they're trying to convey a certain story. Yeah, but we don't really narrow ourselves down to just young chefs like the upcoming one that we have would be Chef Melba. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Melba Nunes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, a really,
1: that's cool. A really
0: cool auntie coming in to do yeah. something different. No, we had
1: her on the show, like, I think over a year ago. Well, before the whole MCO and the, before the pandemic. But yeah, she was, she was great mm-hmm. fun. So do you have, like, a set length of time for each chef?
0: I would say uh, we tried to do at least four to six weeks just because, um, well, what I observe from the current market is that most pop-ups, they last a week over a weekend, uh, something along mm. the lines of that. And I feel that, you know, with such a short span of time, when people actually notice it's really too late, they they can't actually go there anymore. Uh, right. I think four to six weeks, they can actually uh, express themselves further.
1: Mm. And how has the response been with this, like, kind of changing of guard with the chefs? So for, I guess, like a customer or guest, like when they come to this space, like two, three months later, oh, it's a different chef, it's like a totally different menu. How has the response
0: been to that? Um I think with that that's an incentive for also our community because definitely we have, for for the food menu we have our in-house chef but with the guest chef they can sort of expect a different experience every time they come uh which also goes hand in hand with what our space is trying to do essentially uh we're not looking at just being a wine and dine sort of place but rather also as a venue where we can accommodate to many events and just adapt accordingly Mm. Um, curate experiences depending on what they're after.
1: Mm, cool, yeah. yeah, and and actually speaking of collaborating and having like many different elements, you also actually run another restaurant or well, small like bakery uh, at Rex KL, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell tell me about that.
0: Okay, so the bakery that we have is actually a micro bakery at the moment. It's in Rex KL. Um, it, it was never intentional. Again, <laughs> oh, it was because, uh, it, yeah. In, in SSS, I think uh, we we sort of wanted to have a bit of pastries in the morning because we felt like, hey, daytime, you know, coffee, pastries would be great. And then I went around town and tried looking for good pastries at a reasonable price. Um, couldn't really manage, you know, and I, I thought, hey, what's so difficult about it? Why not we just uh, start making a bit of pastries ourselves? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I bought in a bit of equipment, put it in the current kitchen we have in SSS and realized that, yeah, we don't actually have enough space. Because
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the name says, it's already small, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. So it was a really small <laughs> kitchen, couldn't fit uh, both the concepts. And then I, I thought, I'll just have a little kitchen somewhere else to sort of produce. And once we started gathering uh, the team of bakers, we realized that we actually have something in our hands and why not make use of it? And hence, we started a new brand, Flaw. Mm. that's that's how it all came about it was never intentional and now we have another bakery
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) from from like you know not having any intention to even be like in the F&B industry to now running like well two places it's like pretty I guess like serendipitous but I have to say I love the name of of your bakery Fla which is I guess like poking fun at the Malaysian pronunciation of flour like F-L-O-U-R which I think is quite a genius move
0: yeah very much (laughs)
1: Uh, but at this place you you serve predominantly croissants and laminated dough pastries right is there a specific reason why you're sticking to that
0: um I think the reason we started with that is just because uh, I myself I enjoy uh, croissants a lot and I felt like whenever I I travel you know this kind of pastries are accessible when you talk about like good good tasting pastries but in, uh, in Malaysia in general, apart from the few bakeries that I could think of, you know, that being a destination that if you want good pastries, you have to make your way out to certain locations just to get good pastries. You know, mm. why not have it accessible? And uh, that's how the idea came about. Mm,
1: yeah. And, and the thing about a lot of all these French pastries is that it's super Tricky to make in a Malaysian weather, right? And it I mean it first of all, it takes like a few days to put together. And then with the Malaysian heat and humidity, working with butter and laminated dough is super tricky. Like is there anything you did differently compared to say uh typical like French croissant technique or or even like those modern versions you'll find in, in Australia, like Loon? Exactly. Yeah, is there something different that you did here?
0: Um I think to do it differently it would just be managing uh the dough, managing a recipe. I think a lot of consumers don't know how much work it goes into just creating something like that mm. with uh, good execution. Yeah, you know, you, you want to make a uh, puff pastry, you want to make pastries. It's easy if you just wing it and laminate it. I'm sure you understand because you've been through culinary school that mm. you can make puff pastry, you can make croissants easily. But to have it proof good uh, without melting in this weather is really difficult. Yeah. Um, that- what I think most people don't realize.
1: Yeah, we. I think we both learned probably the same syllabus, but it's like there are so many different techniques of getting puff Post. pastry, right? Yeah. yeah, but if you want like a really nice one with like a super crispy, crackly layers and very distinct layers, you have to put in tons of effort into it, right?
0: 100%. It, it took a few, um, I would say it took about like two months for us to get the recipe, right? Mm,
1: right. So with these two businesses already, what are your upcoming plans Before we hear Lee's answer to that, we are going to take a quick break. But when we're back, we'll learn more about Lee's future plans for SSS and FLA. Stay with us, you're listening to Breaking Bread on BFM
0: 89.9.
1: Welcome back to Breaking Bread. I'm Jun, and I've been speaking to Lee Zanja from Small Shifting Space and FLA, two new food spots in the Pataling Street area in KL. We've been talking about the genesis of his businesses, but now we're turning our focus to the future. Right, so with these two businesses already, what are your upcoming plans? Will there be like a potential for an accidental third business coming up?
0: Um pretty much with what we have in our hands right now, uh, it's quite a lot, uh, quite a lot on our face, and we're trying to make make sure that we're steering the right direction. It's two totally different business. Uh, that came out of you know, something that was just over the pandemic. And uh, now it's more about getting it to be executed in the right way. Mm. Uh, there's a lot more to be done with SSS because uh, like I highlighted earlier that we don't just want it to be a wine and dine sort of place, but rather we are trying to figure out how to actually curate an experience for different functions. And with Fla, we're actually looking to expand uh, we've got plans coming up to have a few other stores um, at the same time we're trying to make something that is different you know mm,
1: yeah and with the upcoming months being i guess quite uncertain uh, especially with the potential of a third mco coming into place are <laughs> you are you doing anything to kind of like work around that anything to stay especially
0: resilient during these times I think the first MCO when it happened, uh, we just went full force because at the time we um, we had a lot of energy. We had a full team and everyone was just trying to do something. And that actually turned out pretty well. I think people felt excited about what we had planned. With that, the, the turnout was pretty good. But then the second MCO, we felt like, hey, you know, everyone's doing delivery as well. And consumers are getting to a point where They are not ordering out as much as they used to, I suppose. And Mm -hmm. we decided to pull the plugs and not do any deliveries on the second MCO. Um, Yeah. And then for this one that's coming around, likely we just have a break for everybody. Take a nice uh, (laughs) nice time to relax and recalibrate.
1: Ah, right, right, right. But well, pending this, uh, this potential MCO, you, you mentioned this now that you're going to have Chef uh, Melba in... Is there a set date already for that?
0: For Chef Melba, we're looking at the third week of uh, June beginning, and then we'll do for a good four weeks and see mm. how it goes. If the uh, response is really good, we could mm. always extend.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that.
0: <laughs> we're going to have the menu... Um, you you won't really have a choice, but rather you just sit and eat uh ah. you know, auntie's food. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like going to Chef Melbourne's house itself, which I've been actually it's like it's pretty fun and she's a great host. So I think it'll be it'll be a super fun concept for you guys as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: <laughs> and since you guys opened over the pandemic, in terms of um other people, other restauranters who are who are planning on uh opening new places even in the coming months with how crazy the whole pandemic situation is. Do you have any advice for for them?
0: Um, Yeah, I'll say just go for it. But it's a matter of understanding your your market, who you're trying to capture. And then uh, at this period in time, likely just prioritize things that are the most necessary. Um, It can still be done, you know. You talk about spaces like SSS, as opposed to like flour the bakery it's actually quite surprising that flour as a bakery the business would go up in times like mm. this just because people rather stay home and they, you know they're gifting their friends things like that uh still sort of a staple food because it's, it's bread yeah so knowing what the market wants at the moment i think you can still jump in mm. uh,
1: Right. And one final question. What's a uh, restaurant or another food business that you would recommend going to or even like tapawing from other than the two that you
0: own? Okay. Um, well, my my own favorite would sort of be Palio's. I'm not sure if that's ah, familiar, yes. like, it's down in Jankat.
1: Mm. They're like yakitori, but like Spanish or so, right?
0: Exactly. And uh, another one would be Joloco. I think Joloco is a really good example of how to actually pivot the business during times like this. They came up with a brand called Jojo, and now they're still doing, they, they make really good food as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and the business model is working for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Rick, is really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and they also started business. Licky Chan recently, right? Yeah, I'm like, wow, these people exactly, are, yeah, are really yeah. pushing it over the pandemic, It's <laughs> so, so respectable, yeah.
0: Yes, I, I think it set a new sort of standard to the industry in KL as well. Mm. Um, which is exciting you know? mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of potential that can be explored
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of potential we just yeah. need more people yeah and, and your area especially in Pataneng Street is, is getting uh, very very hyped and, and a lot of things are happening over there so it's pretty exciting so thanks again for uh, coming on to the show today and yeah sh- just sharing about your experiences over the pandemic and also sharing about your two businesses
0: thanks so much Lee oh thanks Jun for having me
1: That's all for this week's show. To listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or on the BFM app. And if you're hungry for some more food things like recipes and fun food writing, you can keep up to date with me on Instagram at JunAntonic, that's J-U-N-A-N-T-T-O-N-I-C. But until next week, I'm Jun, and you've been listening to Breaking Bread on BFM 89.9.